Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, church? My name is Ryan. I'm a lead pastor here at Peace. I also want to say hello to those who are gathered in our downstairs venue and those who are gathered in our chapel. To you here in the worship center and to you who are joining online, to this I say to you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 1. In this sermon series, we've been looking at how Christmas for us it is the miracle, but in a way that it lights the way. That the star that was, that was present at Jesus' birth, it kind of shows us and reminds us that Christmas is the thing that lights the way for us. Today we're going to look at the difference that Christmas brings to our lives. How God broke into earth, how the light shines in the darkness, and how, listen to me please, and how hope defeats despair, but it's only hope through Jesus. So as you turn in your Bibles, I want you to get into this idea that we're talking about differences today. We're talking about distinction. We're talking about separation. So let's just see where you land on certain spectrums here. When it comes to decorating your Christmas tree and the lights that you put on your Christmas tree, who likes all white lights? Who likes multicolored? Let's go all white light people. You snobs. Who are the fun, joyous people who know how to celebrate with multicolor? Okay, there we go. We're few, but we're strong. Okay, let me ask you this. Would you rather give a present or would you rather get a present? And mind you, you're in church, which means you have to be honest. Who would rather give a present? I'd rather give. Mm-hmm, sure you do. Yeah, right. Who, who are the honest people that said I'd rather get a present? Thank you. Yes, I'll see you in heaven. I don't know about the other people, but... <laughs> All right, last one. When it comes to a, a, a sweet treat Christmas snack, would you rather have a gingerbread man or a candy cane? Think about it. And your answer is, who would have, rather have a gingerbread man? Okay, who would rather have a candy, candy cane? All right, now, now we're a house divided. Okay. <laughs> well, now that we've got distinction and separation on our mind, We're going to read our passage today, and this is from the Gospel of John. John wrote this, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle, one of Jesus' original 12 disciples, one of his closest 12 disciples. And the Gospel of John is among the more popular books of the Bible, even though it has a very thick beginning. The Gospel of John is a a book that's dedicated to, to sharing the Gospel of Jesus, to tell us about who he is, not just a great teacher, but God come to earth. So it will be up on the screen. We're going to read just the first five verses. I really hope you have a Bible in front of you. But if you don't, it will be up on the screen. With that, would you hear the word of the Lord? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made That was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Father of lights, as we come before you on this day, Lord, we're asking by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit 
that you would illuminate our hearts to the truth of your word and you would reveal for us yet again the love, the great love that you have for us in Jesus Christ. That we might be shining lights for your goodness, for your glory, for your joy in a broken and in a dark world. And it's in the name of the Christ child that we pray these things. And everyone said very loudly, Amen. Our world, should come in no surprise to you, has plunged itself into darkness and confusion and brokenness. And, and Christians who are seeking to, to bring the light in this world, here's, here's often kind of what, what sometimes we do. We, we want to come to the world and we want to share the love of Jesus and we want to bring the light of his truth. And so what we try to do is we try to like build bridges and we try to find like common ground to meet on. And so we'll, we'll share elements of who Jesus is that we know that the world would like. But then we kind of diminish the parts that they won't like. And we're kind of left with this half image of Jesus that's not the full and real picture. We need to be showing the world the truth of all of who Jesus is. Because here's what ends up happening. When we're only showing the world a part of who Jesus is and not the full picture, this is what ends up happening. They, they say they like Jesus. And so they, they, they like a Jesus that's a picture of who they want to see. But listen to me, if it's not the full picture, then it's not going to be a Jesus that they will bow down and worship. If we want the world to come to know who Jesus is, we need to be sharing the full picture of who he is. And in these first five verses, John really paints an astonishing picture. And he, and he presents a Jesus that's, that's fully separate from probably the Jesus that a lot of us has, have crafted in our minds. So for those of you who like outlines, as we look at these five verses today, here, here's where we're going to be going today. We're going to talk about how Christmas presents an undeniable difference between Christ and every other God, an undeniable difference between Christ and all of creation, and we're closing up looking at how Christmas presents an undeniable difference between Christ and our world's despair. So first, Christmas presents an undeniable difference between Christ and every other God. So people in our world, we want to diminish the differences between the ways of Jesus and the ways of the world so that we can have this common ground, right? We, we want to just highlight what the people would like, but we want to diminish what people won't like. As we talk about this today, I wonder, what approach does John take? Who's, who's writing what will go on to be probably the most popular gospel of all time, does, does he try to build bridges or does he try to create distinction? Well, let's, let's see what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Okay, what? That is really confusing. I've got two Bible degrees and I still have to read this very slowly, otherwise I get tripped up. In the beginning was the Word. Clearly, for those who know your Bible, John is, is hearkening back to Genesis, Genesis 1.1, what we looked at a few weeks ago. The Bible starts off with these words, in the beginning, what John is telling us, that if you want to know Jesus, you need to go back to the beginning. Not, not to Christmas, not to his birth. You need to go back to the very beginning, to the start and the creation and the birth of the universe. But notice, John does not say, in the beginning, the Word was created. John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was already there. 
Right? But this begs the question, like, uh, what exactly is the word? Well, no surprise, no surprise here. Clearly, John is getting this idea that, that, that Jesus is the word. But why does John use this word, the word? Why does John call Jesus the word? Well, remember in Genesis 1.1, tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and he does this by speaking the universe into existence, by the power of his word. So in a sense, John is reminding us that Jesus is the word of God. He is the power on display. He's the one who was there who helped God create the Father, create the heavens and the earth. But the word that John uses here in the original language is the word logos. Now, when he says, in the beginning was the word, this word that he's using in his original context is the word logos. Now, depending on, on what Greek professor you had, my Greek professor told me to say logos. Maybe some of your Greek professors said logos. Mine's right. Yours is wrong. Sorry. Because <laughs> we all took Greek, right? Logos. Logos. Yes, we rightfully translate this word as word, but there is so much more meaning to this word. And in John's context, this was a packed meaning whether you were a Jewish reader or a non-Jewish reader. Far more connotation than just the conglomeration of a series of letters put together. Logos, for, for, for many non-Jewish Gentiles, especially those who were Greek, for those readers at the time, logos was the philosophical word that pointed to the truth and order and meaning of the universe. For the Jewish reader, and remember, John is Jewish. He was a, he was a Jewish man. For the Jewish reader... John is using this word to clearly to point back to the Old Testament and the power of God's demonstrated and revealed word to unveil his plan and purpose in his being. So even though we're talking about differences here, John kind of starts off his gospel with a word that would resonate with both Jewish and non-Jewish readers at that time. But listen to me, this commonality is short-lived, especially with these next couple phrases. In the beginning was the Word. Yep, that makes sense. Yep, the, the power of God, the Word of God. He was there in the beginning. The order, creation, the truth, the universe. Yep, that was there. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Again, this would have gotten a head nod, at least the earlier part, from both Jewish and non-Jewish readers. But yes, the Word was with God. That makes sense whether God's revealed truth or the order and meaning of the universe, that was there. But these words here, these next ones, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This common ground that John seems to have launched off with is quickly becoming two different continents. While he may have hooked them in, he's definitely bringing a distinction to who Jesus Christ actually is. He was not just with God, he is God. Not it, but he. The word is a he, and he is with God, and he was God. Do you know what Christmas song really gets picked on these days? Any guesses? Mary, did you know? Yes, thank you, Debbie, she did know. For those of you who don't know, you sing the song, Mary, Did You Know? She definitely did know. But listen to these lyrics here. 
First, you guys know that song? Anybody know this song? Okay, okay. Listen to these lyrics. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know? Yes, I knew. Stop asking already. (laughs) She knew who she was giving birth to. You know, asking if Mary, did she know? And that's just silly. But what I like about this song, barring the fact that we're asking a question that we know the answer to, I love the Christology of this song. The, the doctrine of Jesus that is revealed about Jesus in the song is phenomenal. In fact, I can't believe they actually sing this on secular radio. Listen to this other verse. Mary, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. That's some great Christology. That's pointing to the pre-existence of Jesus, that he came from heaven, that he is Emmanuel, that he is God with us. Mary did know. But do you know what this means? This means that unless you believe that Jesus Christ is God with us, unless you believe that Jesus Christ is God, then we don't believe in the same God. This Christmas presents an undeniable difference between Jesus and every other God. John here in this early gospel, he is, he is showing us language around the Trinity, that Jesus was both with God and he is God. And if, you're not, if you're not a Christian and you, and you want to know what we believe about God, let me, let me explain something to you real quick. Christians believe that God is a being beyond our full comprehension. Right? In fact, I don't want to believe in a God that I can get my head wrapped around. And, and one of the, the, the biggest ways that God is incomprehensible is, is in his being, what we would call the, the doctrine of the Trinity, that God is three in one, three persons, yet one God. And there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all one God. And if you're confused by this, welcome to the club. Theologians have this, the doctrine of the Trinity is without question the most difficult doctrine in all of Christendom. But yet we are seeing what the Bible reveals about who God is and of course is beyond our comprehension. And with these words, and the word was God, we see John tell us that with Christmas and with Jesus being born, we are presented with a difference between Christ and every other God. It's very common, very common in our world to try to like say something like every religion actually worships the same God just in, in different ways or maybe through different holy books. Sorry, that's just wrong. Spend 10 minutes reading each of the holy books and you'll see that there are irreconcilable differences. Jesus, especially at Christmas, shows us that he is distinct and separate from every other God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This leads us to our second difference that Christmas presents to us. Christmas presents an undeniable difference between, between Christ and all of creation. John 1.3, And all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Do you follow that? Because I have a really hard time following that. That's a really awkward sentence. 
In fact, this is like of all the, of all the scriptures that I have memorized, I can't say this verse too fast, otherwise I will definitely get tripped up. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John, could you have said this any more confusingly? Jesus is the word of God by which all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, so that all things that were made were made through Jesus. See, Jesus is not just the Logos, the word of God. He is also the creator God. Okay, this gets us to an an absolutely critical element about the nature of Jesus Christ. Even though he is the son of God and was born um, and was named Jesus, Jesus was not created. God the son was not created. He is the creator God born into human flesh. And this really, really rubs up the type of Jesus that most people like and want to have. Like we like a kind Humble Jesus, who was a kind, good teacher, who loved the marginalized and loved to poke at and make fun of and debate with snobby religious people. The world loves that Jesus. And while there may be elements of truth to that Jesus, that is by no means the full picture. That, that Jesus, that, that loving Jesus who only picks on religious people, that, that, that's a cultural Jesus The historic Jesus, the biblical Jesus, is Lord and maker of all creation. And he's the Lord who stepped into that creation. And remember, this book here, John, like of 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 all the fragments of manuscripts we have, one of the earliest ones we have comes from John. It's a very early document, and this was written by someone who knew Jesus best. If you don't believe in Jesus, the creator God, who stepped into his creation, then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible and you probably believe in a Jesus of your own making. I remember talking to this guy uh, a few years back, a guy within proximity to my life, and um, he called himself a Christian. And, and, of, and of all the things that Christians should, be, should feel comfortable talking about with each other, it should be like their love for Jesus Amen. So I was talking to this guy about his faith in Jesus. And he, he says to me, he says, you know what I love about Jesus? And I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, what do you love about Jesus, man? He says, I love that I can just relate to Jesus because Jesus was just a sinner just like me. Now, whoa, hold on here. He goes on to say something to the effect of, Yeah, man, I can relate to Jesus. He was trying to be a good guy in a hard world, trying to do the right thing, but falling short every now and again. And I was like, okay, hold on, hold your horses here, man. Let's push pause on this. I realized this guy doesn't know Jesus. This guy doesn't know the gospel. And I was like, dude, because I'm from the 90s, we say dude. If I was born today, we'd say bro. But I say, I, mean, I say dude. Okay. I was like, dude, there is so much wrong with what you just said. And he looked, he looked a little confused at me when I said that. And, he, and I could see like there was the gears turning in his head. And he was like, should I listen to this guy or should I be offended by this guy? And he said, what do you mean? And I was like, well, 
Dude, the, the Jesus that you just described to me, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's not the Jesus of history. And listen to me, man, that's not a Jesus who can save you. The Jesus that you just described, I said to him, is a Jesus who we have created in our own minds. But Jesus stands apart from his creation. And I said, I, I've got, in my, in my head, I said, I, said, I got to share the gospel with this guy. So I shared the gospel, and I'm going to share the gospel with you here right now. And I want you to listen to the difference between the Jesus of this gospel and the Jesus that he believed. See if you can pick up the differences. I said to him something like this. Jesus is the pre-existent God who was born into the universe that he himself created to die for this world. Born as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he lived and he died without sin. He was perfectly obedient to God. He was perfectly loving to his neighbor. And that he himself came to share the truth and to be the truth so that he would be the light to the world. And because he lived a perfectly sinless life, that means he is able to pay for others' sins. Because if he had sin in, in himself, he would have to pay for that sin. But because he was sinless, he could pay for others' sins. And this God who stepped into human flesh, because he became human flesh, that made him able to pay for human sin. But because he was God made into human flesh, not only could he pay for human sin, but he could pay for all of human sin. And he did this by dying on the cross. Willingly going to the cross to assume the punishment that our sins deserve, he took those on the cross and hung there until he suffocated and bled to death. Giving up his spirit so the sins of the world could be atoned for. And they buried him in a grave. But three days later, he walked out. And he walked out proving that he was who he said he was. Now, going back to what this guy said. I mean, he was, he was wrong on the account that Jesus was a sinner. But listen, he was, he was also wrong on the, on the type of sinner that he thought Jesus was. Because in pointing to the sin that he thought Jesus had, in a sense, he was pointing to his own sin. And listen, listen here. He didn't think it was all that bad. Right? He said, like, um, Jesus was just trying to be a good guy in a hard world, trying to do the right thing, but falling short every now and again. And he said, I can relate to that. Do you know what he was saying? Like, my sin's not all that bad. Like, I'm a good guy just facing a hard world, so of course we all trip up every now and again. Listen to me, if that's, if that's the extent of how bad you think your sin is, well, then no wonder this world doesn't see their need for a true savior. And no wonder that perspective, that didn't drive him to any sort of deeper knowledge of who Jesus was. I mean, that, that's not the type of Jesus you want to get close to. That's not the type of Jesus that you worship. So, of course, he had this idea and he remained there. Church, until we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are utterly depraved people. Both in the sin that we commit, the sin that some of us celebrate, and the sin that we do in secret. The hard truth is that we're not good people in a hard world. We are spiritually blind people in a dark world. We are distracted people in a world of lust, chasing every picture they put on our phones. 
We are people who chase after the things of this world rather than the king of this world. That's who we are. And that's why we need not just a savior, but we need the perfect savior. And his name is Jesus. Christmas presents to us an undeniable difference between Jesus and all of creation, between Jesus and the Jesus that we've created. Jesus stands above his creation, making him the only one who's able to bring healing and salvation to the brokenness and division and despair of our world. So our final point here this morning is this. Christmas presents an undeniable difference between Christ and the world's despair. Two of the most powerful verses in all of the scriptures. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. These two verses show us that Jesus is not just another God on the shelf of religious gods across the world. These two verses show us that Jesus is the only hope of this world. Tara, whose testimony we heard earlier, young mom, wants to know why. We all want to know why. And no one would blame her for giving herself over to despair, but she doesn't. And do you know why? Because she walks in the light. Because she has in her the light. The light that shines in the darkness. And because she walks in that light, the darkness cannot stand against it. Listen to me. Too many of us in here, we appreciate the light. We like the light. We think the light's a good thing, but too many of us in here, you're not actually walking in the lights. You don't have the light in you. Tara shows us what it looks like to walk in the light. Listen to me. Does this make it easy for her? Does it make it easy for her? No. Listen to me. This is a Western American ideal to think that good things are supposed to be easy. Listen to me, church. Sometimes the harder a thing is, the more right that it is. The world is in despair. Political upheaval, worldwide panic around a virus. This is all happening on a global theater. But what about your, your personal lives? What about your own heart and your own home? A time will come, O Christian who lives in comfort, a time will come when what you profess to believe will be put to the test. And at that moment, when you are faced with darkness and despair, when it comes to you, when it comes to your home, you'll see real quickly what Christ you believe in. The Christ who is just a nice guy in a hard world or the Christ who is your very life. When despair comes to you, I wonder, will Christmas have meant anything to you? Or will it just be a fun holiday whose songs we debate about how early we should sing? What you are celebrating this week and what we have been celebrating through this sermon series is not just the Christmas spirit that's meant to be with you all year long. Listen to me. This is the child born at Christmas who has come to save you. This is meant to change your life. The word that John refers to, look at what he goes on to say just a few verses later. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, 
glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This little Jesus, this little porcelain Jesus you got in your nativity scene, this is the Word made flesh. This is the God who is with us. This is the God who created the universe and then stepped in it to save it. This is the light that shines in the darkness. He has been born. I know a lot of Christians, man, we get, we'll get really upset when we're ordering our foo-foo drinks at Starbucks and they say to us, happy holidays and not Merry Christmas. Right? We get really upset like that. Why you got to take Jesus out of this? We're, why not Christ? We're talking about Christmas here. Right? Is Christ so offensive? Yeah, actually he can be. Yes, he is. And he is Christ who offends the darkness. Do you know what we are saying when we are saying Merry Christmas? Which I encourage you all to say. When we say Merry Christmas, we are saying that there is a light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. We are celebrating the Word made flesh. Yes, he's the Son of Mary. Yes, he's the Son of God. Come to save your sins and my sins. To give us light when all the world has is darkness. And so with that, I say to you, Merry Christmas.